and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad that you're here with us this week. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. I want to thank our sponsor, Jelly Telly. Jelly Telly is the only streaming video app that is designed specifically for kids where God is real and His Word is true. This is co-developed with VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, which I, my kids grew up on VeggieTales. This is so amazing for me. With Jelly Telly, the shows and movies your kids watch over and over again reflect what you believe about God and help you lead your kids into a life of faith where they walk with God every day. For all of us parents, there are tons of resources over at Jelly Telly Parents, from blogs to research to printable activities. Your kids are going to love having their very own video app, and you will love the peace of mind that comes from knowing that they can access quality Christian content. Visit JellyTelly.com today and use the special code Happy Hour, which is just for you listeners, to get $5 off for a year subscription or get your first month of Jelly Telly free. Go to JellyTelly.com. My guest for today is Ashley Noel. Ashley and her husband live in Colorado with their three girls, and they both work for an organization called Save the Storks. Ashley is passionate about loving women right where they are, no matter what they've been through or no matter what decisions they've made. Her and I had a great conversation today, encouraging women to live authentic lives. I want to give you a quick disclosure that we talk about abortion in this episode. So if you have little ears, be prepared to answer some questions. Guys, if you're loving the happy hour, would you take a few minutes to head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review? It's super easy. It takes you about two minutes and it helps more people find the happy hour. I've made it super easy for you. So go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes and it's right there for you to leave a review. Here's a great review that we got. They called the review Food for the Soul from a pumpkin girl, RN. She says this. I'm beyond happy that I stumbled upon this podcast a few months ago. Being a full-time working mama, I have limited opportunities to feed my soul. Jamie and her guests provide the nutrition that sustains my soul. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest with so many listeners. You make my mundane commute to work enjoyable and therapeutic. That is the goal, and so I'm glad that it's doing that for you guys. Okay, guys, here is my conversation with Ashley. They're pretty wonderful, though, so I'm really thankful. That's so awesome. And you have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a nine-month-old. Yeah, I think she's 10 months old now. 10 months old. Okay. Ghost. And none of them, your five-year-old's not in school yet? No, not yet. Okay. Are y'all going to do public school, private, homeschool? Well, we did a homeschool program with her last year called uh, Classical Conversations. Uh-huh. Kind of for like this, it was a preschool, but it was not preschool. It was very highbrow. She learned like the history of the world, the scientific method. It was really, um, that's really crazy. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. It's all songs. So she just learned the songs. She doesn't necessarily know what it means. But you know, she, now, it'll come back. Right. Yes. Totally. Yep. And she'll be able to do it later. So I think we might continue to do that. It feels a little crazy with the extra kids and the baby. You know, we had a baby last year. We moved. We switched careers. We moved out of state. So it was like a little bit of a rough. You had <laughs> all of the top stressors in people's lives. You had them in one year. We didn't buy a house yet. So okay. I, so whole, <laughs> we had some holding out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. A lot happened in a year for y'all. So much. So good though. Baby, move states, change careers. Yes. Did I miss anything or those are three major things? Um, those are three major things. Those feel major enough. So <laughs> uh, One of those on, on them alone is major. So good for you guys. Yeah. It, the Lord has really just been super faithful to provide for us like emotionally, spiritually, financially in this. So we're just kind of, it's one of those things where Jesus calls you off the boat and you just kind of have to jump off and just swim to him and go, you right, know, you right. don't really get to just say like, Oh, I have to bury my dad first. Or, yeah. <laughs> you have it to doesn't it seem go. crazy. I like that you said that. I was just thinking about that the other day because someone was talking about that story in the Bible of Jesus calling people, him to walk on the water. And I was thinking about that and I started to think to myself, man, if, if I saw Jesus in the flesh and he asked me to do something, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. And it's still so hard. It's so scary, especially when you have my husband and I are very um, like planner people. We plan things way out in advance. We had a five year plan, a 10 year plan. And um, he actually got a promotion at work the same week that this opportunity came up. <laughs> and we had to turn down the promotion at work. And he had a, a job offer at a different place in the same field of work. So we really had to just follow. Yeah, <laughs> that's. That's when you know, and, and you know what, when you feel the peace and the calm about that is when you really also know like, okay, this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing because absolutely. this actually looks on paper better. Yes, absolutely. Everything did look better. I mean, who leaves a career where literally 
he had ten, not tenure, but he had a um, pension. He was ten years in almost. He was a detective, like he was solid. They would not get rid of him for anything. They were giving him a training position, and we're like, no, no, we're gonna leave and go work for a nonprofit uh, and make make way less money, and right. Move states and leave our community at church, and um, but it felt good. And you know, we were talking to our pastor's wife when we were kind of deciding what we should do, and she said it would just kind of be weird if you didn't. Mm. <laughs> Everything's just opening up and it would just be weird if you just said, oh no, God, we're just going to stop here. Yeah. And that's really how it felt. Every, you know, God just aligned things in such a way and opened every door for us to come work at Save the Storks that it was, it would have been weird if we did it. Okay. So let's back up a little bit because I want to hear about this transition. And I also think that like, although people may not be transitioning from the workforce to a nonprofit working, I think a lot of us are listening and we're like, there are times in our life when things just seem like we feel as though this is what we're supposed to do, but the other option looks better to the world. And just how do you know and all those kind of things. So I want to talk about your husband was a detective, a yes, police officer. Undercover first of narcotics. All, first of all, what, give me just a snapshot of what that was like to be married to a police officer. Well, I mean, honestly, was all I knew. We have been married for nine years now in July. And he, you know, he got this job basically right out of college. So our whole marriage has been him as a police officer. So you were dating a police officer. You got married to a police officer. Well, when we were dating, we were in college. So okay. but he was doing an internship at the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So it was kind of, you know, it was similar. And he was in criminology. We always knew he was going to be James Bond. You know? uh -huh. <laughs> and then, and then like, it was the same thing. God just opened doors, opened doors, and it was would have been weird if we hadn't followed through. And then we had a five-year plan. Maybe he'd be a detective some – maybe at five years he'd be able to be a detective. And he got the detective gig in three years, which is, like, unheard of. Wow. Um, he'll be embarrassed that I'm bragging on him. Uh -huh. But it was so – it was just so awesome. And so, I mean, it really – I know it seems weird from the outside, but it was – kind of normal for us. Yeah. It's just what our kids knew. I mean, you were married to a pastor. He probably travels a lot and does different things. Yep. It's kind of just normal. Yep. People ask me all the time, how did you do that? Because when Aaron and I were first married, he traveled all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's just what we, it's all I knew is what we did. Yeah. This, I guess it's the same answer when I asked him, what's it like to, for your husband to be serving overseas in the military? Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard, but it's just, it's what we do. It's our life. Totally. Yeah. You just kind of have to I mean, I don't know. If God calls you to it, then I think he gives you the tools, which is obviously him, mm -hmm. <laughs> to get through it. And that's just kind of what we did. Did you ever struggle with worry with your husband out? Oh, no. I was totally fine with him standing in front of guns and buying drugs. <laughs> oh, of course. Okay, yeah. so he was an undercover. Undercover narcotics so he detective. Is yes. out. Okay, now we need. I need you to explain some <laughs> a little bit more because it just clicked in my head. He is out pretending. Hello, that's what undercover means. Yes. Pretending to buy and sell drugs. He was actually buying drugs. Though. Oh my he, word. People didn't know that he was pretending. And people at our church who didn't know us when we switched, we like switched to this really incredible church. And for a long time, people thought like I was legitimately married to a homeless man. <laughs> I was like, no, he's a detective. You know, because we don't tell people, oh, he's an undercover detective, right? As soon okay, as but when you that. say they thought that, is it because the way he that- He looked like it. Okay. <laughs> he looked like it. He dressed like it. I mean, he had to. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. So, so let me just say this too. Like, is it, was there ever a time when your husband was concerned that like his, his gig might be up? Like his, he was, his little undercover thing was blown. Um, no, there has been times that we've seen, you know, bad guys out in public. Okay. That's what like I meant. Code word. Yeah. We had a code word and we would just, me and the girls would kind of dip out <laughs> and he would Oh my go gosh. <laughs> I know it seems weird when you talk about it, but it was really normal. No, it seems totally weird. That does not seem normal, actually, <laughs> at all. Well. Because then he would have to, like, he couldn't be, like, hanging out with a family. Like, no, he'd have to yeah. be. We would have to go to the car and then, like, drive it to a different place, and he would meet us there just in case. Just in case. I mean, I don't think it was. I think some of it, and I think any police officer or even military people have this kind of thing. Like, he's just always aware of what's happening and was, um, they might not even see him. Mm -hmm. But just in case, just yeah. in case, we have three little girls, you know, it's not worth yeah, it yeah. To, for him to see us. So, Was he the kind of um, officer, would he bring those emotions and feelings home or did he kind of leave it at the door? Um, you know, I don't know. Me and him have a really great communication, um, like structure in our marriage we always have, where we, maybe too much, maybe we talk about things too much. And so it was always good. Like he always told me everything that happened at work. I know a lot of police wives don't want to hear it, mm -hmm. but I was kind of fascinated. And I just, um, also it keeps him accountable to our family. Like that's a job. Like even mm -hmm. though it's cool and it's undercover and you're buying heroin or whatever, like that's an actual job. And yeah. like our family life is first and like our relationship with the Lord is first. And so we had to like, 
kind of talk about it enough to make it just a job. Yeah. yeah. I would see how it would kind of be a good thing to kind of like, like kind of compartmentalize that. Yes. And he's great at compartmentalizing, but I, you know, I don't let up. So, <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned to me that you became a believer in college. Yes. Um, would your husband, was he already a Christian or how did that kind of work? Yes, he was. Well, he was a believer, but I think he would say he was working on his testimony mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. He wasn't really walk, walking with the Lord. We started dating and um, we went home for Easter to his house. He came and introduced me to his family and they were all really strong believers, you know, praying together, worshiping together, really just doing life as Christians. And I'd never been exposed to something like that. I was raised kind of culturally Catholic. Um, okay. Uh huh. And so when we left for Easter, you know, we were talking about his family and I was telling him, they're really great. They're wonderful. But you don't believe in any of that, do you? And he was like, no, I, I actually do. And yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, wait. And why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. How is this okay? Like all yeah. these things, you know? And so we really started to um, talk to me about Jesus, tell me about what he believed, really started making changes in his own life. And then I um, embarrassingly came to Christ to a Nick Lachey song on the side oh, of the Oh, I need to hear this. <laughs> so when this is so silly, but when Nick Lachey broke up with Jessica Simpson uh-huh. and he started dating Vanessa Milano, yes. he um, wrote this song about how like Vanessa Milano could have what's left of him. And it was the first day that it had ever come out on the radio. I was driving to see my husband actually and his family. Well, he was my boyfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And um, I was on the side of the road. The song came out. They weren't like, this is the new Nick Lachey song or anything. You know, the song just started playing. And it's basically about being broken and being half of what they thought they would be. But, you know, she could have what was left of him. And to me, it was just like God. I was like, I don't know why you would want me. I've done so many things. You know, 20, 21 is kind of old to become a Christian life-wise. Like, I've done a lot of things that were very worldly, yeah. and um, which wouldn't be not normal, you know, not terrible, but like, you know, I lived in the world. So I was doing those things and I just didn't understand why God would want me, but I just felt it so strong in my heart. And I literally had to pull my car over to the side of the road and I was like sobbing and I, you know, asked Jesus into my heart. And then like right after it, it was like, and that was the new Nick Lachey song. (laughs) I'm like, no, forever my testimony is Nick Lachey. (laughs) And God can totally use it. Totally, totally. But I guess that fits my personality to have something ridiculous like that be my testimony. That is the best. And so <laughs> I always am super, super, super like intrigued. I don't know if that's the right word, but I grew up in church. And so although I didn't start following Jesus until I was in my early 20s, I grew up knowing all the christian stuff, you know, all the talk, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm always super, super excited to chat with people who didn't, you know, it's like my friend Noelle. She's like, you know, doesn't know. Like, I remember we were talking one time about like Beth Moore and she's like, I don't know who that is. And I was like, how do you not know who Beth Moore, like who, if you're a Christian, it's like, you know, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know, (laughs) Beth Moore. Right. So when we moved to Colorado Springs, the focus on the family, like hub is here and everyone was like, Oh, focus on the family's there. And I'm like, I literally, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Like I'm, I haven't heard. So you didn't know who James Dobson was. No. And my husband like grew up listening to Dr. Dobson and he met his, his son and he was so excited that he met Dr. Dobson's son and I like oh cool I don't know I, to, like, I love him. it I literally love it when people tell me things like that because it is just this like it's the best it really is because they don't have all these preconceived notions they haven't been either jaded or they also don't like think of these people as you know anything special you know like right. Beth was like her Bible studies have been tremendous in my life you know right um, but I also know she's just a person just like me you know right Yes, it so, is. In- it is interesting. I love it. it. Is interesting. It really is this little culture thing that we have. This Christian culture yes. thing. You know, it really is. And now working for a nonprofit, who you know, pretty much everyone Jesse works with was raised in the church. I mean, some of them were, but mostly they're like in the Christian culture for so long. You know, I don't know what they're talking about most of the time. I'm just kind of like a fresh perspective of. But you know what? It's so good because I like that because when we're trying to like tell people about Jesus, you know who we're talking to people? We're talking to people who don't know church things. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's a really good thing for us to sit down and be like, hey, what do we say and what do we talk about that does not make sense to the world? Yes, absolutely. And there's a there's a thin line of, you know, like God revealing himself to people and making things make sense and then actually like not talking weirdly where people can't yes. understand what we're saying. Totally. So I'm well, sure you bring a great perspective to that. 
I mean, I don't know any of the Christianese, so I just See, it's good. say what I know. You need to be, they need to call you in for consulting. Like, listen, <laughs> when we say this, what do you think? And then like, you can tell them this doesn't make sense. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. So you guys, your husband worked in law enforcement. All of a sudden you guys packed up and yep. moved to Colorado, which beautiful. Where'd you live in California? We lived in Sonoma County. So wine country, which beautiful <laughs> as well. I know. We're so we moved from Florida, from the beach to wine country and that's a Colorado. Y'all are like, let's live in the top five places in America. <laughs> Where can oh we pick? Oh my God, it's so easy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. I went to Colorado, I guess. I mean, I've grown up going snow skiing, so I've been in the <laughs> winter, but I went in the summer I've said this a thousand times on here, but I went in the summer, I guess three years ago, our supper club did a vacation up there and it was my first time to ever be in Colorado in the summer. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. It's so pretty. Like it was a new kind of love for the place, you know? Yeah. It's just now spring here this weekend. (laughs) It it was snowing, I feel like a weekend ago or two. So it's beautiful. It is really beautiful. Okay. It's that cold. I'm heading there in June, the first week. Am I going to, I'm going to need a jacket. I mean, I think it might be cold at night. I don't really know. You're new. <laughs> I'm, I'm so new. But I think it might be. Are you coming to Colorado Springs? Breck, uh, Breckenridge. Oh, Breckenridge. Uh, I think you probably need a jacket at night because I think that's higher elevation I than where we, we are. I think we did that right last time we were there. We needed like jackets at night, which I think is just the best. Yes, it's so nice. That's kind of my favorite kind of weather is like the weather where you always need to have like a light jacket with you. Yes. April 25th, where it's not too cold. All you need is a light See, jacket. I love it. <laughs> Best. <laughs> so uh, good. Okay. So y'all moved to Colorado. So tell me, you've mentioned it a few times already, but tell me what mo- brought you guys to Colorado Springs. So actually the day after Influence Conference where you were um, yes. there, I saw each other there. Love the but, Influence um, people. So they're wonderful. Yes, obviously. y'all I are. Yes. Them. And so um, the next day, my, you know, at the conference, they were talking about the great commissioning, how we've already been commissioned by Jesus to do things. And I'd kind of taken a step back with the baby and everything and kind of was trying to decide where is God wanting to use me? And my husband and I were both, where is God calling us right now in this season of our life? And we foolishly (laughs) prayed, we'll do anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I was reading Jenny Allen's book. And so I was like, anything, Lord, like Mm -hmm. whatever you would have us do, wherever you call us, as long as it's in our very specific plans we have for our career, but wherever you'd call us. And the day I got home from Influence, we went to like this casual worship night at our church and Jeff Gilbert, who used to be the drummer for Cutlass, was speaking. He grew up with our pastor and he was talking about this organization, Save the Storks. And I was just sitting in the back, just so moved. I was like crying and I turned to look at my husband to be like, I think I'm supposed to, you know, do this. And he was crying also. Mm. And so I was like, oh, I love, because I think I've heard you say before, you know, God doesn't call just one of you. Yeah. God calls your family. Mm-hmm. So it was clear that he was like calling both of us to be involved. And I thought, you know, I'm a social media person, online blogging, that kind of thing. That's where he'll use yeah. me. And so we went up and, and oddly enough, the guy, when we said we wanted to be involved, he said, yeah, you can donate. And we were like, yes, absolutely. We're going to partner. But what, you know, what else can we do? And he said, you know, I've really been trying to do like a blog campaign. You don't happen to know any. And you're like, hey. <laughs> I literally know all of them. Yes. <laughs> so, um, We started talking with him, and that was the direction we thought we were going, and we came out to Colorado Springs. They flew us out here to interview, and they flew me and Jesse both, and we brought Stella, our baby. And I guess, I mean – And they were just interviewing you to do social media stuff? I mean, I don't – we didn't really know what they were doing. It was kind of – they're kind of – the way they run it is that they find people who are invested and people who really care about um, the movement, and they try to find a place for them, you know, instead of hiring for a specific – Mm-hmm. Role, yeah. which is really wise because their office is so dynamic and so innovative because they got good people mm-hmm. and didn't just get people to fill a role. Got it. So I guess Jesse just kind of blew them away as he does. And um, so they have me doing kind of things online. I write for their blog a little bit and um, speak for them. And then he works full time for them as the director of affiliate development. And it was like, I think we came December 9th. And we accepted the job, I think, two weeks later and moved here in January. Jeez. <laughs> it was so fast. But it was it was just what the Lord was calling us to. So Okay, so okay. tell me about Save the Storks. So Save the Storks is um an apolitical, like non involved in politics uh, or in politics nonprofit who basically takes a woman at the well approach to the abortion um minded woman. Okay. So many of our generation, like, I don't know if this is true for you, but I'll speak for myself. I always cared about life. Like, obviously I know what God 
thinks about it. And, but there's no way for me to get involved. I don't really believe in picketing. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to be protesting. I don't need to be doing the defunding. Mm-hmm. And, um, Save the Storks doesn't either. They want to change the conversation that no matter what the law is, that women will have actual choices. And like Jesus did with the woman at the well, they would go out of their way to come to the woman where they are and meet them right where they are. Um, to help them, you know, and to love them, to show them Christ's love. And so they do this with um, what they call stork buses, which are these Mercedes Mercedes Sprinter vans. Okay. And they haul them out. They make them super gorgeous inside, leather interior, um, and kind of make it a mobile medical unit for pregnancy resource centers. And so women, the resource centers can come and offer free sonograms, free ultrasounds, free pregnancy tests, um, free STD tests right in the van. And since it's just a van, you can park it anywhere there's legal parking, Mm -hmm. which means near abortion clinics, outside of college campuses, at fairs, things like that. And it's been incredible. Four out of five women who step on the Storks bus choose life, which is like unbelievable. There's Mm -hmm. basically around 360 women on average per year per bus that choose life. And these women are literally walking to abortion clinic. Like they have scheduled abortions Mm. and they are choosing life instead. And when they choose life, um, you know, I know people always worry like, okay, well the pro-life movement, they choose life and then we leave the women, but no, like it's about the women in general. Hello, save the stork. The stork is the woman, the Mm -hmm. woman carrying the baby. And so when she chooses life, they offer free, um, healthcare, free diapers for a first year, free uh, clothing till 2T, free parenting classes. Who free, offers this? You guys? The, the pregnancy resource centers that partner with us through oh, our wow. program. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty much any resource they need. And then if they don't choose life, if they choose to have an abortion, we offer free post-abortion counseling. Mm. You know, because you don't just have a woman and tell them that you you love them. We start with love and we end with love. Mm. So whatever choice she makes in the middle, obviously we hope she chooses life. But if yeah. she doesn't, God still loves her mm-hmm. and we still love her. Yeah. And we show Christ's love to her. And I think that's I think that's really the difference in this movement. So this sounds this sounds great, and I think that a lot of us would be like, "Yeah, we are for life, and we are with this." But it seems a little bit more personal than you to you. Yes, it is. Why? Well, so when I was in college, I like drove a friend to her to an abortion. We were, like I said before, living really worldly, and um, of course, it was like the thing that we were going to do. There wasn't even a question. I drove her. It was fine. We never talked about it ever again Mm. after that. And, you know, she kind of just lived with that. And, um, later when I became a Christian and then when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I, um, saw we had a 10 week ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And so we had the eight week, which is just like the little heartbeat, you know, Oh, your baby. And then when we had the 10 week, she had a head and arms and legs and she was moving them. Mm -hmm. And it was insane. Like I, an educated woman (laughs) who grew up with a nurse as a mother really truly thought, it was a clump of cells. Like mm. I did believe that lie and it wasn't. And I just thought, you know, back to my friend who she was showing. And so I just imagine how like, far along was she? I don't, I honestly don't remember, but I, she college, was far, yeah. Yeah, far along enough to be showing. Yeah. And so, um, and so that, you know, it always stuck with me. And then, and I think that's the thing too. Like, I think it says something that we did this, we shared this intimate experience and then we never spoke about it again. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women are left um, after their abortions, just kind of left out to dry by themselves, yeah. by themselves. And I was, um, actually I was talking to my mom about this. One of the, a friend of mine has told about her abortion story. She made a video for Save the Storks, um, actually know her through influence. Um, and so she has been really bold about it. So I was telling my mom, once we moved to Colorado, I was explaining this to her. My mom got really quiet. My mom is, you know, in her sixties. And she told me, that when she was 19, she was married to, she had one marriage before my dad and she, um, got pregnant and he did not want a baby. It was like three months after Roe versus Wade was legalized and he basically forced her into an abortion and it was terrible, like so awful. The nurse, she said she remembers the nurses, you know, were mean to her because it was like very newly legal, um, like within months. And she didn't want it. She had no other option. She had nobody to speak for her. And she held that for 43 years. That was the first time your mom ever that told you that. the first time she ever told anyone. Oh, my gosh. I knew. And then they divorced and nobody else ever knew. Your dad did not know. No. Nobody else ever knew. And it's just one of those things where like, man, she's been living with this shame and this bondage for 43 years. And Jesus died on the cross for that. 
when he thought of her, he died for that specific sin. And she was able to forgive herself for everything else, but held on to that as if that sin was too, mm. you know, great as if there, as if sins can be weighed. Right. Know? And, um, just to see her walk in that freedom, mm. it's just been so incredible. And, sh- and seeing many women walk in that freedom after, cause you know, one in four Christian women who attend church weekly. So they're like actual, you know, they're like, they're, they're, just, they're not they're just, in it. yeah, yeah, they're in. Um, have had an abortion. They're post-abortive and nobody's talking to them, not the church, Mm. (laughs) not us. And they're living in this secret shame and guilt that they don't need to own, you know? And I just think, Oh, I know. I get this. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a little, um, online. I was writing a little series on my blog. That's what I'm trying to say. I had a series (laughs) on my blog about letters to myself. And it was one of the first times that I had written about parts of my story. And mm-hmm. I have spoken about them to, to, you know, ladies groups, all kinds of stuff. But it was the first time I put it out on the internet. And I remember I spoke about it and I actually was pregnant in college um, and had a miscarriage. So I never had to make Sorry. this choice. Um, but I remember I wrote about it and um, a woman contacted me who goes to my church. And she was like, I think it was the first time I thought that if Jamie can say this out loud and her husband's a pastor, I've never told my husband that I had an abortion. Yes. See, that's the thing. I think so many women yes. are living in this sphere. And I think if women would just tell, like not in a filtered way, but just tell their experience, I think that would change everything. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that would change everything. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I truly believe that like when I talk about struggles that I've had 20 years ago, and when I talk about struggles that I have today, like things that like might be embarrassing, but I talk about and I confess those to my friends and we walk through it together, that actually I'm letting God work in my life in a way that's better and different and gives him glory than if I try to just present myself as this person who doesn't struggle, who doesn't ever have anything in her past. What that does is that presents a lot of Jamie glory. Absolutely. And that's not the truth. Like It's not the truth. You're right. It kind of makes you... I mean, I know that I'm not saying this about you, but it makes us feel like, because I do the same thing, like we almost hold this thing above God. And if anyone knew us, mm. if anyone really knew, yeah. how would they feel about us? They wouldn't let me be a detective wife. They wouldn't let me be in ministry mm. if they knew me. But the thing is, is God does know. He yeah. already knows. And mm-hmm. he loves you anyway. Yeah. He loves you even though. And I just like, if any woman is listening to this and like is has experienced that, I just want her to like walk in the freedom of grace that like God already loves you. God died for you for that. And you don't have to carry that anymore. And since when do we believe the lie that God doesn't use messed up people? Every <laughs> single person that he called in the Bible and the scriptures that we have written down, they are messed up, jacked up people. Such a mess. There's, I can't even think of anyone who was normal. <laughs> Me neither. Besides Jesus himself, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing. Like none of us are Jesus. I can't expect right. anyone to be a per- perfect person because they're not. And I think that, and like you said, when people tell their stories and are authentic about who they are and what God has done in their life, that's when other people can walk in that freedom and that too. Like I wouldn't be able to do the things that I can do if I haven't had women go before me and say, this is okay. This is what yeah. we do. This is the real thing. I mean, Jess Connolly, who mm-hmm. I love her. We she's love, a good friend of we mine. We love here on the happy hour. Yes. Yeah. She, um, I like relate to her so much because we both kind of had a jacked up life yeah. in the beginning. We're very worldly. And then she is like, man, out there for Jesus mm-hmm. all the time. And it's so cool to see and know her personally and know that that's authentic and see that like, man, if he can use her. He can use me. Not that she's more jacked up than me, but like. No, it's the truth. Yes. We we present this to the world. And what I want people to see too is you're speaking my language. Like I'm getting like fired up over here. This is exactly what I love um, to hear women saying and talking about. And the thing is, is that when we, when you and I and all of us, when we boldly say things that God has done in our life and how he has changed us, that gives so much hope to people who are looking to be changed. Yes, because like you said before, Jesus isn't talking to the people who are saved. Nope. <laughs> Jesus is talking to the messed up people who need him, mm-hmm. This, you know, the sick, like he says, yeah. and he's come for them. And I think like I have experienced very clearly in my life God's um, just like great mercy and love for me when I didn't deserve it at all. Yeah. Not that I do today either. No, but, but I know what you mean. Yeah. And it's just incredible to to see other women go before you and to just own that, you know, for yourself. So no doubt there's someone listening here who is exactly like we've been talking about maybe, and you know, it may not be abortion. Let's kind of spread this, this blanket out a little bit further, but it could be abortion. There's someone listening that has never told anyone. What would you want to sit down across from her with a cup of coffee in your hand? What would you want to say to her? You know, I would honestly, when I talk to my friends about things like this, secrets keep people sick. Mm -hmm. Like I know we keep secrets because we want to hold them and we have this, um, 
desire that we can do it, but we can't. And I think scripture tells us over and over that we can do, you know, there's this, there's this uh, phrase that goes around kind of, of God won't give you anything you can't handle. And it's a that lie. Kind of thing. It's a lie. And it's mm-hmm. not in based in scripture. It says, God, you can't handle anything except through him, right. except through Christ. And so I think that I would say just like tell, there's so much freedom in telling. And like, yeah, there may be consequences, you know, um, if you tell somebody, you know, if there's an affair or something like that mm-hmm. where you've done something, that um, there can be consequences, but God is bigger, is bigger mm-hmm. than any of the consequences that um, might come. And God loves you so much and wants the best for you and promises in scripture that he has the best, um, the best for you. Yeah. And so you can just cling to that truth. And it's so freeing. I was <laughs> going to say freedom. freedom. Freedom is what actually like it frees your soul. It really does. Yes. I have had secrets, you know, that I haven't told. And I've had to confess to my husband and my friends and things like that. Um, you know, and I've sinned against them in different mm. ways. And it is so much better once they know. Mm. It is so much better because then true healing and reconciliation can happen. Yeah. And if not, there's always that barrier between you. Even if even if the other person has no idea, even if it's something that happened 20 years before you even yeah. knew them, if you're holding that, that is a barrier between you and them and between you and Christ. Yeah. There's just no reason. Just lay it down. Let it out. And I always say too, like to speak to the other people, the people who are going to have someone come to them with this, you know, you, <laughs> you're going to, someone may come to you and confess something. I always am like, let's be women who are not shocked by other people's sin. Yes. Like we cannot be women who someone comes to us and confesses or needs help or says, I've done this or this has happened. We cannot be shocked by sin because we are all sinners. Absolutely. So if we are shocked by people's sin, then who are we? It's like yes. when Jesus is saying, if you're the first one to throw the first stone, go ahead. You know, Absolutely. we all, we, we, we drop our stones because we don't have the right to throw them. Um, and so be women who, when someone comes to you, that you are not in a state of sin shock. Absolutely. And just remember like how brave this woman is being to tell you or this person is being and how faithfully they're walking in Christ. And how can you be shocked and, um, you know, mean to someone who's walking in what God has called them to do? Mm. Girl, this will preach. I love preach, it. preach. Okay, so I love what you guys are doing, and I'm going to put all the links up to everything that y'all have going on in the show notes. So if anyone is like, I really, really, really want to um, know about this, or if they just want more information, I'll put that up. Or if they want to put partner monthly. <laughs> there you go. Look at you. Save You're some doing women. your job. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have a question for you. I've yep. been seeing a hashtag that you've been using, and I need you to tell me all about it. Are okay. you ready? Yes. What is it? It's hashtag Jesus and Wine Club. Oh, yes. Okay. I need to know what this is. Okay. Because those so, are two of my favorite things. Yeah. I mean, mine too. <laughs> so we had, um, when I lived in California, we had, I actually read Shauna Nequist's book, uh, Bread and Wine. Uh, one of my favorites. Amazing. Yes. Oh, she's wonderful. And so I was just so inspired by what she was doing. I was like, I need to do this here. So I invited every single married woman in my church that was like in my age range that I knew. And I said, this is what I want to do. This is what her book talks about. Okay. Wait, I stop. Wanna- I'm sorry. In your new church or your old church? In my old church in California. Okay, okay, carry on. Sorry. And so I, you know, basically said, I want to do, you know, Acts 2 is like my favorite. And the church in Acts 2, Mm -hmm. in Acts 2, 46 and 47, basically it says that the people are doing life together so often and worshiping so, like, often and everything is so ingrained that you can't tell when it's communion and when it's dinner. Mm. And I just like love that. And I think God wants that for us. You know, he doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to be able to like enjoy life um, and glorify him at the same time. And so, hello, supper club. Hello. And so so we did that in California for about a year and a half. Eight women did it with me. It was so wonderful. And then when I moved to Colorado, I was like, no, I can't stop. (laughs) I need a new one. So I, um, there was one girl that I knew in town from Influence, that woman, Amber, I told you about. And she, I said, you know, would you like to do this? And she was like, yeah. So we started a hashtag for Colorado Springs, which is where we are, to see if anyone was involved. A few people wanted to do it. And so a bunch of strangers met up at my house uh, two months ago, and we all had our first Jesus in One Club. Strangers. And- that's what makes us even better. Oh, it's so great. And you know what? It's so cool that God has knit everything together because this isn't a surprise to him that we moved here. This isn't right. a surprise to him in the season that anyone is in. And so for all the women to sit around my table, which is like my most favorite, and we were eating and talking. Not all of us knew each other. Some people knew some people. And it was just so incredible how deep and how authentic when you're trying and when you all come knowing, like we're here to glorify God, to be real to have fun, to eat good food, to drink good wine, and to worship the Lord together and spur each other on. And the things God the things God did in my last supper club is amazing. And so I can't I just can't wait to see what happens in this one. Okay. So tell me, do y'all go through a book? 
who cooks tell because people are like i that's one of my favorite things is my supper club and my friend jen who's in the supper club has mm-hmm. she's this little small writer i don't know if you've heard yeah. of her. <laughs> yeah no no big deal well no big deal she talks about it in her book and she told me that she gets so many comments when people ask about supper club and so I, we love to share about our supper club but tell me how did you you just told me how you started it but what is y'all's format what do you do do you go through a book tell me about it so what we do is somebody different hosts every month um, we started at my house mm-hmm. and the person who hosts makes the main course and then everybody else brings because I didn't want people who can't cook to not yeah, be included. Like I sure. love to cook, but some people just want to go buy a loaf of bread or buy a glass, a bottle of wine, you know? So, uh-huh. um, I still want them to be included in this. So you sign up, basically we send out an email beforehand and the person says the main course and then, you know, what we need, an appetizer, a dessert, bread, you know, a salad, et cetera. And so everybody signs up. So, um, they know what everybody knows what they're bringing. And then we all come together that night and do it. And we do the if table questions. Oh, great. Because um, they're so good. Yeah. They're so good. So we just basically do those. Now, some of them are a little like, I'm obviously like, don't know Christianese, wasn't mm-hmm. raised in the church. So some of them are a little like ethereal mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. Where I'm like, it's like, what does the wind mean? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ann Voskamp wrote this question. <laughs> but like, and some people that totally speaks to. So yeah. it's really good every month that they're different and they're, um, intentional and, and sometimes the conversation will spur off, but sometimes I like to keep everyone, you know, on topic Uh, because, you know, you don't want just, I think the hard time when we get in community with women, I know I do this sometimes is we just kind of like, Oh, this is my chance. You know, I'm home with my kids all day or I'm at work or I'm whatever. And I'm like, this is my time to unload and people want to unload, but I want everyone to be able to talk. And so that's why I like to have the questions or something that can keep us kind of on topic and Mm -hmm. all on the same page. I love it so much. I know. I love it. It's People my People are going to start these. And I love that you're using the if questions. I know. They're so good. I mean, why would I do the work when they already do it for me? Those girls are doing good stuff over there. They are. Fan. They uh, are, too. Okay. So not all these women go to your church. I take it either. None of them go to my church. We don't really have a church yet. Okay. This is awesome. <laughs> this is pretty new. So Okay. People yeah. are going to be starting this. Jesus yes. Everyone should. Mm-hmm. It's The thing is, too, is like every time we post about it on social media, when we did it in California and when we do it here... Everyone always comments. There's so many women underneath like, I want to do this. How can I be a part? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And, and that's really like kind of a point of contention where people feel like, okay, well, I want to be in this one club, but you can, I mean, eight people is a lot of people to feed at one time, Yes, you know? And I just say it like, start your own. There are women everywhere who need it. And it is so easy. And I think it's scary to step out in faith, but obviously I'm kind of like a leap off the cliff in faith kind of person. And so I'm like, just do it. People will come. If you cook it, they will come. I think that's important that you said that because this does sound, this would appeal to so many people like, oh my gosh, I would give anything to sit around the table once a month with eight women and talk. Mm -hmm. And it's so good that you just said that, like you can do that. Start it. Yeah. Why not? You, you can do even, it. It doesn't have to be at your house even because that might be scary. Totally. Like start it and find another girlfriend who loves hosting stuff and then yes. do it that way. Do it at a coffee shop. Do have, it at a coffee shop. Exactly. Do a picnic date. There are so many options. And I think women, I think people, the heart is community um, of God for us. He wants us to have community and be in community. And I think you should. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of community, are, are you're on Snapchat, aren't you? Uh, that's one of my things I'm loving. <laughs> Can you? Oh, it is. Okay, well, let's jump into it because I want you to explain it to me. So, what are the three things you're loving? Okay, Snapchat is number one. Tell me about it. So I know how you feel about it. I you know. I just don't understand it. And I didn't understand that first either. I thought it was like for inappropriate pictures for teenagers. That's what you've heard. That's what I've heard. Like, and don't let your kids be on Snapchat. Don't. I agree. They're sending naked pictures to each other. I agree. And you know, Snapchat keeps them because my husband, for his job, would have to like subpoena Snapchat. So they are out there still. Like, oh, there is nothing. Here's the thing, though. Everything's out there. Yes. Nothing on the internet doesn't last forever. Right. <laughs> so, so, um, but what I really love about it is one, so Instagram, I mean, I love Instagram, but I am not a very like clean, filtered, <laughs> curated kind of person. Okay. That's just not my personality. And I try, but I'm not very good at it. So Snapchat gives me the ability to like actually have the real moments that are happening in my life. And it's okay for it to be kind of messy, you know? Mm. And so what I like to do is there, there are private messages, which they delete. Um, but I don't really mess with that that much. I just usually do the thing called my story. Okay. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. So you just basically take a video, there's 10 second videos or a picture, or whatever you can write on it if you want to. And then it saves your story. And with my little kids, you know, we live in Colorado now. We went to garden of the gods. It's this beautiful area where there's rocks and um, hiking and it's just so gorgeous. And I just record it, you know, little snap snaps of my 
five-year-old, whatever she's doing, snaps of my kids, like snaps of us out there. And then at the end of the day, you can download your whole story onto your phone. So it saves as your video and the whole three minutes of your day or whatever saves. So your family has these little memories. You know, our kids aren't going to have photo albums necessarily, right? (laughs) but my kids will have digital memories and they'll have like, this is that day that we went and did this special thing. This is that day we did that, you know, that trip. So I love it. And my kids love it. They have these like silly filters for faces and Oh, I've seen those. Yes, I see it everywhere. And I think do I need to do this? I mean, I would say yes. And you you say yes, I should do it? Yes. I yes, because I I mean I just love it. And and there are grown ups on there. (laughs) My friends are all on there. So I think, yeah, I think we're taking over. You're taking over. Okay. (laughs) Instagram's my favorite. And so Instagram is so good. That is the one thing as like an online internet-y bloggy person, Mm -hmm. not having feedback (laughs) is like a little difficult. Because you don't get that in Snapchat. No, you don't Ah. really get that. So that part is a little difficult, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's kind of good for your soul too, right? To not check notifications of how many people liked your... Um, It's so good for your soul. Are you kidding? Oh my gosh. So I'm kind of leaning towards Snapchat lately. Okay. That's number one. I love it. What are your other two things you're loving? Um, I also love... Okay. So I love your podcast. Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks. It's so good and so encouraging. And I listen to it, you know, probably like everyone does when I'm cleaning, doing the dishes, that kind of thing. Uh And um, there's a few other podcasts that I love, but I don't have time. I have three little kids. So I love to listen to them on time and a half. I do that too. Okay. I'm sorry if somebody listened to this entire podcast on regular speed and they're not knowing, (laughs) but next time it's so good because I can just like burn through it real fast while I'm doing what I need to do. And it is so good. My husband gets a little weirded. He's like, it sounds like Aaron Aaron can't handle it. (laughs) He can't handle it. Yes. He can handle it. He's like, why are they talking so fast? (laughs) Yes. But I like it. You know, you get used to it and I really love it. Okay, I do the same thing, but there are a handful of shows that like I can't because either it's like a serious show and I mm-hmm. like feel like I might miss something or I was listening to a relevant podcast yesterday and they were interviewing someone and then they were playing music in between and I yeah. couldn't do it because the music was really freaking me out because yeah, it just was like I do feel like I'm listening to the Chipmunk album, you know, it's like hard. it was too much. But yeah. I like you, I do it and people need to know about it. It's the way to get through content fast. There's yes. so much good content out there and I don't have time to listen to all of it. Girl, so. I love that. Okay. <laughs> What's your third thing? And then my third thing is, this is just silly. I guess all of these are kind of silly, but the, okay. So dry shampoo, right? Like, yes. amen. Yes. It's amazing. It's everything. Yes. But I have dark brown roots like in yeah. my hair right now and mostly dark brown hair. And so it gets that like white powdery like situation and it's terrible. So I found recently this dry shampoo, it's Batiste brand, which is like the best brand supposedly. And they have, it's called Hint of Color, Dark and Deep Brown. And there's like color in the shampoo. So if you have gray, I guess this would also help. Ooh, yeah. And it like covers up. And so when you like rub it in on the top, it like is brown powder. It's not white powder. That's so you can't tell. It's life-changing. It life-changing. Is so good. So good. And then that way I don't have to wash my hair every three days. <laughs> so. I just discovered dry shampoo about probably about two years ago. Oh, um, and I love it. I mean, cause honestly, who showers every day? Do people oh, have time and wash? No, not, no. Me. <laughs> not me. Sometimes even like I will, like if I'm going to like shower later in the day or like, if I know like, this is the worst, if I know like, okay, like Tuesday I have to go somewhere. Yes. So why would I shower on Monday? Like exactly. I'll shower on Tuesday. <laughs> same, same. Yes. I do the same. Because why would you? What's the big deal? Yeah. No point. No oh, point. Oh my gosh. Or if my husband, like my husband travels a lot now with um, this job. He's actually like, look, right now he's in California. He's launching a bus today. Our oh. 21st bus is hitting the road. So he's like gone for a few days. So I um, don't need to shave and shower. Oh my gosh. Whole I mean, probably not the whole three days, but. No, when Aaron's out of town, I look like a homeless person at home. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know what that says about us, that we only like take care of ourselves when our husbands are home. I don't know if that's what that's, that that can't be good, but I think we're just a little bit more relaxed. It's honestly in, you know, we just go, go, go. We're super extroverted, both of us. Yeah. So we always have people over. We always have people around. And so when I get a chance to like hunker down and be like, nobody's bathing, everyone's in their pajamas all day. It's so good. It's so that freedom, right? Walking in that freedom. Hey, and if you homeschool, you never have to get dressed. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to see people if I don't want to. That's right. (laughs) I always want to. So, um, okay. What are you reading? Are you a reader? I, you know, I used to be a major reader, but I don't have a lot of time now to be reading all all the things. Yeah. But 
I am currently reading Wild and Free by mm. Jess Connolly and Haley Morgan. Yes. They sent me a copy and it's amazing. I don't know if you read it. I did read it. It's amazing. <sighs> it's so good because, I mean, and I know that they didn't write it for me. <laughs> but, but it seems like it. Because I always feel like I am too much or not enough or mm. um, somewhere in the between. Always. Always in my life. Especially in being in ministry and not having grown up in the church, I can feel like, oh, I'm like the the bad girl of ministry. Mm. And then when I'm like with the normal people, I'm like, oh, I'm like the good girl. Right. <laughs> and so I like don't really have a place. And that book has just been so, so freeing for me. And I just adore them. and what they I do. adore them as well. And I read that book in one sitting on an airplane and oh, it was it, just like, I couldn't stop. It is such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I just love it. And then also I do um, this Bible study fellow. This is a book of the Bible, but I do this Bible study fellowship. BSF? Yeah, BSF. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I really is a little bit strict, but having not grown up like knowing how to do quiet time, yeah. it's really good for me to be able to be like, these are the questions you answer today. These are the questions you answer tomorrow, and to for stay sure, on top. Yeah. And we did Revelations this year. Yes. And we just finished, and it was like so amazing because I mean, who knows what Revelations means? Yeah. No. So it was really, really good to like just go through it and hear what different perspectives are. I mean, they didn't teach it in any way of like this is the truth of what's happening because how do you know? We're not going to know until. Jesus comes where we are. They really help you just study the Bible. They just help you study the Bible and help you know God and love God more because of what he says is to come, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was super life-giving for me. So I've heard great things about BSF. My mom has, when I was growing up, she did it for years and she's done all of them. Is that your first time you've been with them? No, I did BSF last year um, also. What'd y'all do? What'd y'all study? We did The Life of Moses. Oh, Okay. So it was really, really interesting. It wasn't just one book, obviously. And yeah. it kind of skipped around. It was super good. And the next year we're doing John, which I love. Oh, that'll be John. good. So it'll be really, really good. And they're everywhere. So I highly yeah, encourage you to do it. So yep, I if you have time. I do them here in Austin. Yeah. So good. So good. Then it is kind of strict, but I think it's like. It is super strict. I yeah. mean, there's lots of times that I didn't <laughs> answer the question. Yeah. Because I couldn't every day or like read the notes every day. But what I really love is that it keeps, you know, they give you a lecture, you have the scripture and then you have like notes on a paper mm-hmm. um, that they like a, that they pass out. And so everyone has the same information. So I don't feel like not as theologically wise as somebody else because we have the same words in front of us. Mm. And so I feel like I could learn more about who God was without being kind of like, oh, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't know what that means, you know, because everybody has it and it re- will reference back. And everybody kind of, the strictness is they try to keep you like on topic of like, right. oh, let's only speak out of these scriptures. Mm-hmm which is a little bit annoying, except for that it makes you, you know, everybody has it. And so everybody can actually talk about what they have in front of them. That's so. great. I love Bible studies like that for people. Me too. So Me good. Too. Okay. Um, before we go, I do have one more question for you. Yes. What do you think about Justin Bieber's new tattoo? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is embarrassing, but I do kind of like Justin Bieber lately. Hey, no, no, nothing embarrassing about that. <laughs> I'm trying to get him a stork shirt. See? <laughs> My, my husband has a recurring dream about him coming to our church and coming to know the Lord, which I think yes. that that might have already happened. So yes, that's I think out. so too. Yeah. I have a good friend who knows the pastor who like, quote, converted him or yeah. helped him with that. And she said that it's real. And I think it's like so hard for him to go, you know, I feel bad for Justin Bieber. I look at his life and I'm like, man, people want stuff from him all the time. And yeah. it's so sad. How could he even really be, you know, a normal Christian person in this kind of role without like this dramatic thing he's going through right now. So, so I hard. pray for him. I, you know, some people pray for the Kardashians. <laughs> I pray for Justin Oh, Bieber. gosh. And the cro- he got that cross right close to his eye, yeah. right? To yeah. represent his faith, huh? It, so that it's something that he sees everything through the lens of the gospel. Oh, my gosh. I need that. I'm like, that's a little deep, Bieber. That is. Get, it's not too late to say sorry. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not too late. Uh, we we dance to some Justin Bieber around here. I'm not going to lie. It's true. My kids love it. I mean, they are only allowed to listen to like one or two of his songs. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we like don't have like Bieber shirts or we don't have the Bieber no. fever or anything. No, of but, course not. But it's He needs there. to get a little bit closer to God before my kids can listen to him. But There you go. There you go. Um, so, okay. I'm glad to talk to someone about the Bieber fever. Yes, me too. Justin Bieber. It's my secret love. <laughs> I do like, I do think that has got to be one of the hardest situations to be in is this person who is so out in the open and then mm-hmm. your life changes. Totally. And I mean, you know what? When I came to know the Lord, when I started following Jesus, I didn't have an overnight change. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had grown up in the church, but I still continued to fail and fail and fail. But it was like, I felt different about those failures. And I was like needing Jesus more than I ever had. And I yes. was acknowledging my sin. So like, 
I think that's also hard to do that in the public eye. I always think about how glad I am that it was only barely Facebook when I was in college. Oh, like, I, would have I didn't been a have mess. all that mess. Oh, it's so good. And like, it's even been, you know, I look back at some of my like, so I like just recently redid some things on my blog. And so I was going back through and I didn't have pictures for everything that I had before. And I look at some things that I wrote, you know, eight years ago and I look at where I am today and I'm like, I don't think that, or I wouldn't see it that way. Or yeah. like, I need to rein that in. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, think, I can't. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I just can't imagine doing that in front of millions and billions. Exactly. Of exactly. And I think that we need to also not like totally disregard whatever faith Justin Bieber is walking through, because if it is real, it might not look just like ours and it might not change overnight. Totally. You know? I mean, whose faith looks the same? Nobody's. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. There's our little Justin Bieber rant. Yep. Praying for you, Bieber. There you go. <laughs> There's another hashtag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ashley, thank you so much for coming Thanks. on the happy hour. Thanks so much for having me, it Jamie. It was so fun. wonderful. And as usual, I'm going to put everything we chatted about up on my webpage so you can find the links to everything. So have a great day and have a great summer up in Colorado. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Thanks. You too. Y'all, did y'all not love Ashley? I nearly died when she told the story about her giving her life to Jesus during a Nick Lachey song. I love that so much. It was the best story I've heard in a long time. Also, all of our conversations about encouraging women to open up to one another are truly the heartbeat of what I want to see women happening. I loved when Ashley said, secrets keep people sick. I have been marinating on that since the day she said that. So I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you loved anything we said today, find Ashley online. You can go to my webpage, jamieivy.com. That's where all the show notes are, and that's where it tells you how you can find Ashley. I'd love to hear from you guys. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Today's show was edited by Knox McCoy, and the music is from Jason Poe. Guys, next week my guest is Jessica Robertson from the Duck Dynasty family. Of course, I'm going to have to admit to her, just like I did to her sister-in-law, Corey, in episode 71, that I have only seen this show a handful of times, but we have way more to talk about than just that. So enjoy your week, share the show with a girlfriend, have a happy hour, and I'll see you guys next week.